everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we're a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories from the spaces where endowments and community intersect, because it's good to be well endowed. On today's episode, we are continuing with our special series, It Takes a Community, which is created by Hunter and Jacqueline Cardinal. As the founders of Nahayawin, these incredibly talented siblings help organizations and communities reinvigorate the spirit of treaty by implementing Indigenous principles into their everyday processes and business practices. So, without further ado, here's Hunter to introduce this month's guest. Tanse, hello. Welcome to It Takes a Community, a well-endowed podcast series about inspirational leaders and the communities of people, places, and ideas that have supported them along the way. I'm your host, Hunter Cardinal, and from a young age, I was taught that my people, the Nehiao, or Cree people, have always understood ourselves as bound together in a vast web of interconnectedness. As my career as an actor and storyteller developed, I began to cross paths with more and more incredibly accomplished people, and when asked... Almost every single person time and again echoed the voices of my elders in crediting their successes to their networks of support. This podcast is my own quest to explore what it means to succeed and support each other in succeeding in an inherently interconnected world and learn how it truly does take a community. I am very excited to introduce our next guest, Nazra Adin. The incredibly talented multidisciplinary artist who you probably already know from their term as the Youth Poet Laureate for Edmonton, as director of the Sister to Sister Artist Collective, and as the festival director of Black Arts Matter. I first met Nazra at a planning meeting for the Chinook Festival a couple of years ago and right away felt a sense of kinship. Later, over drinks, when we really got into the weeds of our own intersectional experiences as artists, it made sense why. Nazra is one of those rare people who truly lives and breathes honesty and kindness, and has clearly made it their mission to make space for others. And naturally, when my sister and I began formulating this podcast concept, I knew it was the perfect time to try and learn more about where and how Nazra became the extraordinary person they are. So in the conversation you're about to listen to, we dive into topics like mental and physical health, how their mom supported them throughout their life, how they found a sense of community in the website Tumblr, and what it's been like to be an artist as well as a festival producer. I left this conversation with a renewed dedication to walk in the world heart first, and I hope you feel the same. You are an incredible multidisciplinary artist. Um, you build communities wherever you go. How did that start? Where, where, what, where who taught you that? Where did right. that come from? Oh, like my mom, we yeah. talked about a little bit, has always done everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like there's, there hasn't been, um, yeah, there wasn't a moment when I was 
younger that I thought that my mom wouldn't have my back, like no matter what the problem, and there have been some problems. (laughs) Um, And uh, her just innate creativity and like um, problem solving and, you know, quick wittedness uh, has always been something that I really admired, but also uh, it was always linked to the community and to, to how the people around her were also experiencing the world. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the aspects of the environment that I grew up in were just products of a system that is doesn't really give too much of a, of a mm, about immigrants and black folk and Muslim people and um, the housing was terrible and the security was was you know few and far between but there was always like a connectiveness in the the way we shared joy the way we still celebrated um you know ramadan the way we came and prayed together and ate together and play ball together and and make up dances together and jump rope together and and mourn together um and learn about the world together and kind of uh have to grow up really fast um and and sharing that experience with a lot of people who had mothers like mine, mm. I could see what, even if I couldn't name it, I understood that there was like a magic in in the way that our um, parents really valued and honored the uh, the sacrifices they made by working incredibly hard um, and still reminding everyone to look after each other, um, to not walk alone, to, to make sure that you hear somebody's voice in the morning and before you go to bed. Um, so it was, it was all these, these kinds of things that um, were maybe bred out of survival, but really um, set the tone for, for just how aware I needed to be about my surroundings mm. um, to keep myself safe, but also to keep the people I love safe. Um, and that's just like a lot of adrenaline and a lot of, a lot of, uh, push to be creative and to find a way out or to find a way through or to find a way around a problem. And, um, so I, I give a lot of my, um, sometimes now I'm understanding just the hardest parts of, of my life to like just being the keys to ingenuity and ingenuity that's like based in, um, understanding that everybody is a reflection of me and being able to see the magic in everyone and be like, yo, Muhammad's really good at that. Yo, my mom is actually really good at that. Yo, auntie is like a fierce hair braider and everybody needs to go and like, (laughs) and she won't like hurt your scat, like she won't hurt you. (laughs) Um, And there are things that that were just kind of um, shared amongst everyone uh, because we needed to to mine for these, these, um, these parts of ourselves that did, uh, that did kind of assert our worth into the world. And, and we're worthy no matter what. You wake up, you're born, boop, you're worthy of love and life. But um, these things that make us us, you know, the particular magics in all of us, they had to be sought after. Otherwise, you just drown in the stuff, you know? How, how, what are some ways that your mother helped you do that? Oh like, if you think about, like, the ones that, that stand... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, what's... Just paint it. <laughs> like, take me back. Wow. Okay, my mom would always be working, right? Three jobs, whatever, whatever. She'd be like, no, so you talk too much? Write it in a journal. <laughs> she was like, here, she would go to Dollarama, we'd go to the dollar store, and she'd be like, go crazy. Within 
bunch of it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like twenty dollars. Yeah. That's wild. Like twenty dollars. But it would be like once in a like a court like a season <laughs> we'd go on these trips. And I just get all these like markers and paints and like construction paper and all this stuff and stickers and wild just all the glitter and da 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 da. She stopped letting me get glitter after a while, but yeah, that's, uh, that that that's, stays. That's a lot. That stuff stays. That stays. Yeah. Uh, uh, glitter glue was allowed for a little bit, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but my mom was really <laughs> maybe partially because I tired her out a lot, um, but also she just saw that I was bored. Um, and that I needed more. Um, and that actually allowed me to be able to understand like what I need to do for myself mm. when like I'm in environments that uh, minimize my uh, strengths or skills or, or, or gifts. Um, and a lot of the school system and a lot of being in school throughout felt like that. And so it was it was really helpful that my mom, saw that I just needed to get my energy through a creative. She'll sign me up for a whole bunch of things at the Y. Uh, anything that was free, she'd be like, try that, why not? Um, and it was to keep me busy and to keep my mind out of, I would just be in my room. <laughs> so I would be like, like, no, so you gotta get out. You gotta get, so get so out. you had a tendency to, to, to kind of... To, to isolate, yeah. yeah heavy. I'd be like really extroverted and I'd have this time where I would just like be with my friends all, all day, yeah. a whole week, and then I wouldn't talk to anybody for the whole weekend. And... Now I understand what that is, though I need to control my um, give and take. But I, she knew that there was something that if I didn't hold on to, um, hold on to like what made me great, if I wasn't repeatedly told, um, even subtly, because it doesn't mean my mom was like, be an artist, like for the rest of it, she was like doctor, lawyer, like she was teacher, something that is stable, right? Um, but underneath that, she was like, here, just read. Here, just write something. Cool. Here, just, um, and it would be a way to like calm me down. Also, I did have a lot of social anxiety um, and things that uh, uh, come from kind of just being in destabilizing environments. So it, it, now my mom can name these things and she's gone through her own healing and is like figuring out that she's always been some type of counselor some type of person that is able to like see people yeah she used to always just be like just be kind to yourself be kind to yourself and do what you'd be doing anyways and and that that really set it up um even when things were kind of at their at their point where it was like I have to choose what I'm gonna do with my life or whatever um she, we had a up and down um about what is stability um and I think that shift definitely changed, um, affirmed what she'd always been doing, but then now kind of had the fear dissipate around it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mm. no, totally. And and one thing that I find really, um, this is a side note too, like I, I'm looking back at like how I grew up as well. Mm. I was like, oh, there's some things there right. that I did not know were things. Mm -hmm. uh, hearing, like, I would, I would, I thought I was just focusing on things, but I would, like, really hyperfixate on, mm -hmm. you know, drawing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, I love drawing, but yeah. then, like, looking back now, I was like, was I doing something else other than drawing? Right. Not really. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I love hearing that. And, you know, I'm interested in when the world of art started being introduced to you and, mm -hmm. and you're starting to go to school and, and, 
and explore that. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to get into these systems and you're becoming a little bit more aware of, mm -hmm. oh, I'm in a system. Mm -hmm. what, what, was, what was your crew like then? Because like, I know that you switched yeah. schools. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're always, they were always like drama nerds. Like they were always just like speckles yeah. of theater kids in there. Um, grade eight was when I like really was like, oh, yeah, this is natural. Let's do this. Um, what, what was that moment? Oh, uh, gosh, it was a monologue. Really? <laughs> it okay. was a monologue. It was like one of those, you know, the teen um, trying to get ready for prom or whatever, and I'm worried about this boy, I don't know, nah, nah, whatever. But it was funny because I remember picking it because, like, the character was, like, really cynical and was like, you know what? I don't need this school. I don't need this. And I was like, ah, oh, that's exactly how I feel. And I'm only in grade eight. But um, my teacher at the time, Miss Mitchell, shout outs, um, she was like, Nazra, that was it. <laughs> and I was like, Miss Mitchell, what are you talking about? She's like, yes. It's like, you were funny. You were, you were, you were there, did all this stuff. And I was like, interesting, okay, like, cool. Let's do that. Um, and then she was really supportive of me and she really saw me. And so did uh, a couple of the teachers at Ainley. But it was like lots of theater kids. That started to change um, uh, in, at Ainley, I think, because I found cause it was a way more diverse school. Mm. <laughs> um, so I was like, ah, oh, Somali girls, yes. That <laughs> 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 was, was not McCurna Belgravia. Um, so that was really beautiful. They were really connected to my culture um, and to just like the way I intuitively do things. And, and I also started, it also started to build kind of a riff in like the, my identities and like what I was allowing myself to be in one group and what I was allowing myself to be in another. And so there's these polarities in my body that was really hard to deal with hmm. <laughs> um, especially and then on the outside it's like what am I supposed to be and there are um, you know few representations of of uh, all of my interests and and the way I exist like in the same body and like in a position of success or da -da -da. so there were all these I was like searching for a lot um, but Loki Loki I had a great time with the people like at school and whatever but my like my people were like on tumblr so like okay I had let's go there like, i'm sorry like we're talking about community um, well you know like, what like community can be different things right things. i wanted to dive into this and astrology so like yes. let's we're, we're gonna get we're there here. okay we're in tumblr, we're tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> what's up Hunter. Yeah. oh my gosh so i just want to preface that like <laughs> tumblr some of the friends that i met on tumblr now i like still hang out with when i'm in new york Right, so they're like, that's like since I was like 15. Um, and there's some people in Edmonton that I've known that long and then I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like do not. But so there's, so I I've, I've really value, um, I really value that, but there is, uh, at first it was, I don't even remember what Tumblr was in 2011. Yeah, that's when I got it, I think. And it was like a lot of, um, because I was starting dance at that time. I was in dance club. And dance club was like heavy Filipino, like 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 just like lots of Asian kids and me. Um, and like a couple of my girls um, that were like um, black girls. And I was like, okay, we can do this. This is great. My teacher is amazing. So what if this is just, this is my new family now? <laughs> amazing. And so I followed a lot of just like dancers on YouTube, 
you know, stars and things like that, and other people that were fans of, like, in the dance community. And then it kind of broke out. And then it was, like, different films and stuff that I liked. And it was like, lots of, and, uh, decolonized, right? There's just, like, so many, like, soft, artsy, like, European, like, like, films that I'm like, nobody looks like me. I don't even know if they have black people in this movie, but I love it. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> Where are they? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was all up in that. And then there were people from there. But then I think things started to open up. Um, uh, and sadly enough, when when um, tension uh, around um, police and black folk, the the energy around it and the visibility was like kind of lifting and um, um, peaking, and uh, I started to find people that um, were really trying to have conversations um, and being kind of bold and using humor also. Like I started to f um, branch out to Twitter and like black Twitter and people that were kind of metabolizing pain in the same way that I did, um, whether it be humor or, or Solange or articles or um, uh, really beautiful dissections and comments on um, on some things and, and uh, natural hair videos also, like ways that we, um, uplift ourselves like I started to I also shaved my head like in grade 12 because I was like I'm done I'm done um, and there's a lot of mental health stuff I was going through at that time and so I was really searching for um, even subconsciously like like ways to ground myself yeah and um, visually and like sonically you know like other other um, people's playlists that they used to have on their tumblers I would love finding new music that really got me going. That's when I um, really delved deep into uh, just like like boom bap and, and a lot of like essences of hip hop that my cousin had been, you know, like put me on, but I had realized that my music taste and some of the art, my what I was intaking was just like not connected to me really in ways that I needed it to be at the time and, and still do. And so kind of searching for that medicine in all these different, all these different ways. Um, really really helped me uh navigate Edmonton navigate the world there was like a whole year where I was basically like in my house um and so I had to be really specific about what I was intaking um and and uh and it, it really changed things and I was able to reach out to artists and photographers photography blogs that were really killing it lots of like um I just had a really I was gravitating towards New York and then, um, I, then I start. Then I started looking through. Um, I started finding uh, s like videos of slams, and I was like, I uh, huh, uh, all these people that have these ideas and this and this, and this art and this medium that is like, I'm like, duh, yeah, right, of course. Um, I was like, also really struggling with um, going to theater school or like not, um, or if I would get oh. in. Period. That's a Right? That is well. You're talking about all this thing. stuff, like, like grade eight to grade twelve. Those, that's all huge, mm -hmm. huge stuff. Like for me, I remember um, being in grade seven, and that was when I actually started learning more about the residential schools yeah. and learning about like, like suddenly the there's just this like injustice, and mm -hmm. I had no idea how to cope with mm -hmm. that. And then you know, f but what I'm hearing too is it sounded like there's an almost like an explosion. Mm -hmm were you because you were also like you were literally tumbling through all this stuff i like, know but they're all like huge <laughs> There's, they it's were huge, huge. Like, yeah. who, who else was anyone else doing that as well or did you kind of feel like it was your yeah. journey and, and then you were just kind of off on your own like 
um, I don't know, like you you just went off on your own journey for a little bit. Like, yeah. Did it feel like that? I or? think it really did because I was, um, <laughs> I'm a Pisces, right? We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I was just immersed in everyone, you know? Like you're already trying to figure out who you are. And so it's like, let me taste some of that. Let me taste some of that. What about some of that? Yeah. I'm like, like, I don't like Developing that. Developing your palate. Yeah. Exactly. And I was just like, but I realized that um, my ability to like, what, like, feel or sense or, or hear or see people um, for real. Like, my favorite thing that people, <laughs> that I get a lot is like, it's like, people will talk to me and then they'll be like, I don't know why I just told you all that. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> like, now I do. But at the time, I was like, I don't know either. But I'm, I'm, there are things that are coming in. Um, and so I think I, I just hit that, hit that quota. I had a lot of friends that were going through a lot of deep, heavy, heavy, heavy pain. Um, and that's why I get so frustrated when people belittle the emotions of like young people um, because, and the realities, because um, I was still, I had a whole, I had a whole like six people um, come from, come from Ethiopia uh, in like 2012 as well. So integrating my family, that was like literally, <laughs> my auntie didn't know what like a seatbelt was, right? And so I'm literally like, that's, there were things that um, we were trying to hold um, and families we were trying to hold and being asked to hold and um, there there wasn't much support and I could see a lot of my friends like it was also there is uh, two friends that I'm still really good friends with, uh, you might know one of them Sarah Culkin hi Sarah um, I, I love <laughs> Culkin yeah. so much and another love Bronwyn Bron Wiener um, they really held me down, and I had a uh, there was a Nusra squared. There was like a there was like a four of us, um, another Nusra that was a really that is a really good friend. But they were like we talked about me and Bronwyn talked about recently about how we were so good at being there for each other during school, um, and like with the hours that we were together, we were good at like laughing and making jokes about things and and giving each other help with homework and all that stuff. And then when we were like home <laughs> and separate, we had these like Tumblr and that there was another blog that I had before Tumblr. But it was like just it was less less interactive and more just like, you know, your feels. But I remember that's where we would interact a lot. And a lot of the things that maybe we couldn't say to each other in person, um, we had space to at you know, on our own. And so there, there was even, and that was also an era, an era where I was really connected to um, my, uh, my cousin, um, Ladan. Growing up, we were like inseparable. Her mom, uh, or her dad, and uh, my mom are siblings. And um, she was only, she is only a year younger than me. And so we were like, she held, and she lived in Ottawa still. Um, and so we hadn't been, in conversation but once our online stuff started happening again she was out there writing a whole bunch of fanfics and this and that and um we couldn't we reconnected through through our digital selves and and then we're really there for each other um you know texting to all hours of the night and and trying to figure things out um especially as to like uh young like muslim femmes who are in a, a, a in a culture that um, yeah, in a culture within a culture that doesn't support uh, our voices. And so where are we 
where are we creating voice spaces for each other to be heard elsewhere? Um, and that's that's also why I don't like when people belittle, um, you know, young people's connections to each other and like, like you were with each other all day. Why are you texting all night or why are you on the phone already? And I'm like, yo, that's beautiful. Like, well, like, don't you miss that? Don't you miss getting excited about telling somebody um, without expectations um, that uh, how your day was or something that happened to you? Or so um, they really, really being being kind of. Um, in and out of face-to-face -face stuff and digital, uh, I think I really found a support system of, but also it was a support system of like equally broken, young, like like sad humans. Um, but we could meet each other where we were at. Um, and so I'm really grateful um, for those friendships. But then I also had to learn who I was and how I dealt with my pain outside of that. And that kind of comes organically when you leave high school or like when you, you're started, you're asked now to be this individual with this individual goal. Whereas before you were in a class of 30 for your whole like, you know, and just doing the thing the way everybody else is doing it. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, what do you want? Well, my friend's going into this, so Dude. maybe I'll try that. Like that's all like- Palms are sweating now. Right. Yeah. And so that that was like after that year, I like left um, grade 12. I was able to scale back on all my courses and just stay in drama last period um, because I was I was uh, we were talking about I had like a th thyroid problem. Yeah. I didn't know why I was so sad and so moody and so all these things. And and, um, and which is huge it's like that huge. for me, like looking now, like um, one of the things that I think is a very, very interesting way that I learned how to cope was a. Uh, presenting really well to mm -hmm. people but drowning on the inside yes. you know I got really good at that in yeah. it, and that's kind of starting to bite me in the butt now mm -hmm. <laughs> because then I have you have that identity that you need to prop up right um and that's really hard to sort of separate mm -hmm. you and come to terms with who you are the drowning person inside you and get that help right you know for me looking back now like I, I'm I'm starting to take and, and look seriously into um the, my, my dopamine production yeah. as a you know a person mm -hmm. um, suffering from genocides on both sides of my family mm -hmm. you know my dad's Cree but mm -hmm. my mom's also Jewish and I have mm -hmm. stories of um, my my grandpa uh, escaping uh, uh, Poland when when Germany was invading right. so you know what's interesting is like the the health system too like if you if you if you're not like um, and this isn't a dig on 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 anyone, but mm -mm. if you're not a white male aged mm -hmm. 25 to 30, mm -hmm. system really doesn't work for you. Not at all. And like you know, I, I it think it actually works against you. So <laughs> like, like it's designed that what way. The, like how how did you get through that? Because that's yeah. that's really tough. Like yeah. I know a lot of people who just like kind of the, they just fell through the cracks. Absolutely. And then, yeah. Yeah, and that was um what was I think really startling for my mom and like my assistant principal was like that you're this is not like you at all um and it was really it's so many so many things because it was like culturally um mental illness <laughs> what's that <laughs> yeah, yeah right so, i can't tell if they're laughing or crying, or crying yeah, yeah. because right <laughs> both, both. Yeah. yeah um and so uh there is a lot of yeah there's a lot of stigma um and it's when I was in when I was like eleven, my there were suggestions that um, I seek out um, uh, some medical support for the possibility of having ADHD.
and it's um, a whole thing around that. But the reaction from I grew up predominantly with my mom. I was with my dad in like holidays, and the reaction from my father alone <laughs> was enough to like like scare my mom just like out of it. Like just being like, okay, well, I guess we're not gonna further you know, investigate this, even if it's not um, medication or whatever, like, there's something going on. Um, and there was something going on. But, like, fast forward <laughs> mental breakdown in, like, high school. And my mom is like, no, we're going to the U of A and we're gonna talk to somebody. Um, and finding financial support for that, hilarious. Um, but my mom is a hustler. Yeah, she's just, she understands, like, all the systems. Like, she just gets it. Like, no matter what, she's like, mm, yeah, but they didn't say this. So, like, um, loophole queen. And she got us support. Um, I got diagnosed with a whole bunch of things. But um, the main thing was, uh, was ADHD and um, some learning stuff which I have my own relationship to and language for and da da da, da and spiritually understanding it now as well. But at the time I was like 19, because my mom was like, you're not, if I'm gonna push you, she was like, you're gonna take a year off, maybe more if you need it, you're gonna get yourself right. But then you're gonna go to school. <laughs> and she's like, if you're gonna do this art, because I can see that you can't do anything else, like it will literally kill you, um, you have to go to school for it. Um, I did not come to this country for you not to go to school as long as you could go to school for. My mom would love me to doctor, 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 right? Um, but she she was like, we're not going to put you back into that institution without knowing more about what is going on with how you learn um, and, and, and what support you need. And I was just like, okay, I guess. Um, and we did it, and it was... It helped that, you know, I was dancing four times a week and I was um, uh, expressing myself in all the ways that theater school allows you to and training and da da da. But I think, like, at that moment, it was nice to just be seen that, like, like maybe the way that I metabolize this way that you, that y'all have built this world is like, it's like, it's hitting up against each other. And that, that I have to know that that's not a comment on me, and I had to learn that. Um, but it's that this the way the system is built is not built um, for really, really, um, really awake, really uh, um, kind of creative and active human beings um, and sensitive human beings. So we all are, um, but sensitive. <laughs> so, um, so support for that medication that happened didn't really work for me. I had to have different conversations with different people about that. Um, I had to look at, uh, do some more and more research because doctors weren't giving to me about how these imbalances um, uh, show up in black bodies and like black femme bodies and what that means, um, what the history of that means and and um, how I'm gonna spiritually try and remedy that and, and um, that thyroid stuff was heavy, like learning about how it affects um, black and brown women, like like statistically just like, it's wild. So I'm like, of course, it's your throat. <laughs> it's your throat chakra and it's where you speak from and where you tell your truth. And that has been silenced for however however long now that we're, we're figuring it out. 
Um, and so those learnings didn't come um, till a little bit later, but intuitively they were there. So it was kind of this like listening to my body really and having to be forced to do that, that actual research and, and honoring the intuition and the, the teachings from my mom and her being like, no, no, like there's nothing wrong with you. This is not what this is for. I didn't take you here for that. I just need you to know what, um, to have as many, as, as much different language as you can for how you move. Um, and this might be their language for it. Um, but now you can investigate it. And, and I think that that is, that is like the main thing. But I have had a really hard time trying to find like mental health support, a therapist, counselor that like also is going to be able to hold all of me. That's like my main thing right now is like it's very difficult. Like and within my price range, yo, like I don't have it. Um, so that is kind of like I'm seeing on another level, especially now that I'm, I'm trying to take on more of this like more of my own uh just take responsibility for my mental health in direct ways i'm like damn this is also really hard to do alone like this is also incredibly hard for someone even with the privileges that i have to navigate like how and i and i've had to try and navigate it for new family members with nothing that or or people that are hiding and people that can't go to you're just walking this and that um and and it's it infuriates me. It really, really infuriates me because if someone with the privileges that I have um, is having such a hard time, um, I, it's not even, I can't even imagine, I do know what it is like. Um, it, it just like really shows me that there's so much um, of the story that's not being told. I feel like sometimes I should definitely be able to go through this alone. Right. How do you, how do you deal? Like, does that ever pop <sighs> up? Because for yeah. me, I'm like, I'm so mad sometimes yeah. that I can't go it alone and yeah. that I do need help and that I am not sufficient as a person and I, and I don't know where that I mean actually I have some ideas about where that comes mm -hmm. from but you know m my ancestors have always said that you are never alone mm -hmm. and even in our like governance models of like wakotuin mm -hmm. like the spiral that connects you to all things mm -hmm. um, you d I do feel alone and I do find myself wanting to actually like, my idea of what a successful person is is someone who doesn't need that support. <laughs> it's so insidious. Capitalism got you. <laughs> Capitalism got you, Hunter. Hey. Capitalism <laughs> got you. Like, yeah, same. <laughs> same. Especially with the super, super woman narrative or superhero narrative of, like, the black woman and the black femme. It's, like, so heavy. It's, like, who, like... Can you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. There's the... <laughs> it's like it's like the the curse of this like positive stereotype um so uh I, I got hit with this a lot in in school where it was like um people like expect you to be able to um express a, or like uh perform a feat that that is like widely known to be a thing amongst like black people like be really good at basketball or you know have an incredible singing voice or and these things are um or to be like really strong and outspoken and powerful and and never shed a tear or never need protection or never um, um be the one who is a victim of 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 violence um these narratives are dehumanizing 
thing. And they're dehumanizing in a way that people don't often immediately think of, um, but they're just as violent because they don't allow black women, black trans women, black femmes, black non-binary people to be able to rest and to be able to ask for help and to be able to believe that the world will give it to them and that their, that their, their, their lives and their presence, their existence will be missed and will be, um, even though uh, we know that so much of the world has been built on the backs of brown and black women and, 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 and femmes and trans people. And so living at many of the, within many of those identities, um, um, because, because the back is heavy, because there is still so much, um, so much disregard for, uh, for black life, it really, really, um, it weighs on you in a way that it it starts to become like only only other people um, that have been adjacent to this this pain can understand that. But there's um, and so it's a nuanced thing because people don't immediately think like it's a good thing to be like a warrior. It's a good thing to be like to be regarded as a a brave, independent <clears throat> like bad B. And it's like bad. Okay, cool. Yeah, those things. But. I'm a lot of those things because the world has been taking from me and has been burning the villages and has been stealing um, um, the land. And that is a main connection, too, that I know is um, is something I hold incredibly valuable um, amongst like indigenous women and trans folk um, around the world on all four corners. I literally um, feel it in my body so often. And so when you're saying like, um, sometimes I do feel alone. Things like astrology and things like we're uh, right, we're going there. Things like astrology and things like like me. Literally, sometimes I like dap my like like on my right and my left. You know, <laughs> like I'm just like yo, that was nice. And I'll just give just like try and actually acknowledge in my daily life um, who is with me um, and uh, uh, and and call. Sometimes I practice like not using my Google Maps when I'm walking somewhere That's and intense. just being like, yeah. hey, what's up? Like guide me. Let's, let me the the vo the my intuition is like loud as hell and it'll guide me where I wherever I need to go, um, and yo sometimes it works and it's spooky <laughs> it's yeah. really spooky but it's like how am I training that muscle that that remembrance that I'm not alone um, uh, and like rooting my everyday movement in it um, and uh, sometimes I, sometimes it, we forget and the system works really well. Um, it, it's, it has billions of dollars backing it, so it's okay. <laughs> Some would say trillions of dollars. Trillions, yeah, yeah. right? Trillions, trillions. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard, but it's. I think um, the connection back to the land and to indigenous practice is like saving, saving everything, truly saving everything. So where does BAM, Black Girl Magic, uh, Sister to Sister, you being an incredible poet laureate of 2016-17, like, Damn, what's up? Year. You know, where, where does that come? Because this is, that's, that's all amazing. I'm just like, how does this fit in with, like, who you are right now? Wh yeah. Where to come from? What, what's going on? Did, do you yeah. see other people creating that stuff? Like, yes and, and no. Um, yes, yes, uh... In my like digital world, thing. Um, uh, New York was making me really mad, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta go! I gotta go to Afropunk! I gotta do this and that, see these amazing poets!" And 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 I did because I was getting really bitter and really mad at Edmonton. So I was like, "Whatever, let me spend a whole month or or a couple weeks." And um, 
and I got invigorated. I got the juice going. And then I came back and I was like, wait, actually, we're doing a lot of that. Like the poems that I saw on that stage were amazing. Um, but like we can do that. And and we ha I have friends who are out here um, with their OOTDs killing it. You know, like, exactly. Outfit of the days. Oh, Hashtag. I knew that. I was just clarifying <laughs> for clarifying listeners. For everyone listening. I, kn I have <laughs> Hunter's that. hip and yeah. young, so. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, precious. So Thank they're OOTDs. Yeah. Um, uh, people making lookbooks. And, and I was like, oh, this is here, but I think we just have to, like, we just have to, like, be in the same room. And I was also not feeling very um, confident that uh, after leaving school, I would have a place to create art and um, uh, perform my art that understood, really, really understood what I had to offer. And or it just would be a place that I didn't want to be or that I didn't feel safe in being. Um, and uh, that made me have to leave, but I knew I was coming back. I started to see around like things like Next Fest uh, met the Dart Sisters. Mm -hmm. They changed everything. Um, I was on the poetry team. I decided to like get off the internet and like actually perform the poems that I was doing on YouTube in front of people, <laughs> and I did. And then I made friends. Um, and then I started slamming, and that kind of had that. That was like the initial place where it was like, yo, you can talk all your all your stuff, and nobody's gonna police you. Um, and so that kept moving, and then I met more people, found Next Fest, performed in Next Fest. It was delicious. So many weirdos. I was like, this is great. And then the next year I came back and um, uh, I was, uh, oh, what was the word? I can't remember my title. Um, but Beth, uh, I was like one of her um, little minions um, curating some of the Next Fest nightclubs. And that made me feel so, because I was like, oh, oh, yes. I could just put all my faves together in a night and then give them monies. And um, so that sparked my curator kind of, um, you know, uh, energy. But I realized I had always been doing that in, like, all the spaces that I had been in. Um, elementary school, did a little talent show, right? We were talking about it. Um, I was organizing at McCurden. Yeah, can, you, can you give a little oh my God. recap of that? Oh, yeah. In elementary school, uh, it was grade six, and we usually had like just like a ceremony. You're like 11, 12? Yeah, basically yeah. like 10, 10. I think I was like 10, 11. Are you young and, for for your school year? Because I'm was um, in, I'm a November I'm, baby. Oh, Ooh. no, I'm not. I'm March. You're March. Okay, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's, and there was nev never anything like fun. And I was like, ah, you know, on ceremony, like I'm leaving. I'm going to Edmonton. Um, this has to be cute. And so I asked my teachers if we could have a talent show. And um, uh, the best movie of all time, High School Musical, was uh, out at the time. And I was already um, studying the choreography. Two hours. I remember I wake up at 6. Sometimes I wake up at 5.55 so I could turn on the TV at 6 and then watch because it was like an hour and like 40-some minutes. And then I would have enough time to eat my breakfast and bike to school. Um, and I did that like like three times a week. <laughs> like, and And I taught my friends the pieces we did like a duet piece bop to the top we had like three couples or something and then we did we're all in this together and i had asked the teachers to ask our group for an encore 
because it wasn't like nobody was gonna win or anything it was just like a show and then i was like yo i was like yo madame can you please <laughs> can you please ask you this planted a clack. just a little yeah. and then they did and then all the grade sixes almost except for like the lame ones came up and they did the dance with us and it was amazing oh my god so i've always been just like whiffing people like i was just like come together um and and uh, i love humans i love people so much and i love people um, being joyous and celebrating together. Um, and so I guess that was already there, but um, it kind of spurred me into sister to sister because that was something that I was really feeling was lacking was um, I was going to a lot of shows and I wasn't seeing a lot of women of color, like friends of color and GNC people of color. And I was like, it's kind of it's kind of one flavor. I don't know if uh, I want to learn stuff. Like I want to learn about people's experiences and how the world affects them. And I'm not getting enough voices. And um, and I wanted to feel safe and feel like I wouldn't have to explain myself after a show. I mean, like, oh, that person. Like, what did what did you mean about that? Like, I'm like, I don't. <laughs> and so. Um, I started just doing house shows, and they were warm and cozy and very, very, very fulfilling. And uh, backyard shows, and and people bring their dogs, and we had snacks, and it was it was just so it it started to um, give me a hope that I could be in Edmonton, like for real. It would just be at the flick of my wand type thing. Um, and sister to sister was doing well, and then um, Vern had the opportunity. He wanted to focus on um, black artists in um, Chinook. Yeah, Vern Thiessen is Vern the Thiessen. artistic director of Workshop West. Yes, he is. Um, and so the darts sent him to me, and then bam. So tell me about that. When, mm -hmm. What was that process of, of creating that, going from zero to one? Oh, my gosh. And how... What what was that like? Because like, yeah. were you watching? Because you said you were watching people um, through Tumblr uh -huh. creating things uh -huh. like this. What about what about Bam? Yeah. Or did you feel like you were doing this alone, or or what was that like for you? It was like I I knew um, damn first year, I knew that. I knew that there were um artists like people like Ahmed and Titi Lope who were running Breath and Poetry from like 2007 or something wild and um something uh, wild something wild like, like two, that like long maybe ago. even 2006 <laughs> maybe because that's when I came to Edmonton actually so um but the yeah it was um so I had to, there was some there was some of that going on but um there was like a vibe that I was looking for like I was like like I, I could taste it when I was in New York. It was like it was free moving. I was like, I know I want I want to be able to have a space that is like uh, like electric and and we deserve like electricity and to feel what electricity is. And you shouldn't have to just go to a place with three billion people um, stacked on top of you to feel like you like you're alive at a show. Um, and uh and so I had like some of those those tidbits, you know, to go off of. But Vern was literally like, "This is the Chinook <laughs> schedule. Um, we have five one-hour slots. Like, like the, there's a whole day where you could do whatever you want, and then we have like two panels or something." And he he was like, "Can you? Would you? Do you know people for that?" And I was like, "Absolutely." And so I just bought one of those like wall calendar like desk calendars and mm. stickies and i just put all my favorite artists that i really wanted to see that i had been 
um, exposed to through poetry and through dance and through um, uh, theater. And I was like, okay, so these are all my friends from like my different eras. Like I had a little dance era, I had a little theater era, I had a little poetry era. So I was like, let me <clears throat> just mash them up together. Uh, so that's where Black Girl Magic was um, began because Black Girl Magic was just a night. Uh, it was a, a night of a show that I was like, I just put themes to all of them. We had like a youth poetry night, um, and what was dope is we were able to like do a little um, writing uh, residency um, with uh, Brandon Wint. He mentored them for like four months, and then he did a showcase. So there, there are different aspects of art that I wanted to see on stage, and then some people I wanted to put together um and uh so that that's literally how that came about and some people that you know some um recommendations of what other people wanted to see but black girl magic was like a theme of a night and I just put all my black girls together and then everyone went wild and then i said okay well i guess i gotta bring it back next year um so it was literally just like what what it, first year was was just like trying everything out and um it worked <laughs> It worked to, because it was a lot of people that had never been in Arts Barns, a lot of artists that had never interacted with the Fringe, never low-key had a reason to. Um, uh, and so um, it was really great to be able to have something that people could trust in terms of its like infrastructure <laughs> and in terms of what it offered that way. Um, and uh, But we're also kind of like like warmed up into a new space that I really want people and my, members of my communities to like understand that is theirs, that is, um, that is um, as much, they have as much a right to the space and, and, uh, and a whole lighting grid and, and a stage as anybody else. Um, and so that was really what the first year was about. Second year I got some help because um, people kind of knew what it was. And then third year it was basically a lot of the groups that had also been figuring out their stuff and it was collectives and I just had collectives run each night. And so it kind of grew from something that it was me and I was overwhelmed and I low-key kind of didn't really enjoy the first year because I was so tired. <laughs> um, and I had just done everything and I didn't need to do everything. Um, and uh, that definitely put me in what you were talking about before when you're like, just like you're just drowning on the inside yeah um but everything was like great it was also the year that had like the most media stuff and the most da -da -da. Well, and that's, like for me i found like the for what i would consider would like i was in toronto i was working with a, a great theater company at the time mm -hmm. um i was like at the top of my game right. i would say like as an actor and like um an artist but like at that same time I was like the most isolated. I was mm -hmm. the most um, uh, sad and angry about things. I, I didn't have a support network at all. In mm -hmm. fact, I was like very good at making sure that I didn't develop one, mm. which helps. Um, that is such an interesting thing of how that can pop up mm -hmm. and also like how I, how I dealt with it, which was by not talking about it, which was really, right. it was a very specific choice I made. But mm -hmm. yeah, that, that like, hole in your heart mm -hmm. is like a thing that exists mm -hmm. and like I found I was always trying to fill it yeah. with like more external Stuff. like well if I could achieve myself out of this ah. then that could work and eagle, eagle, yeah, eagle, yeah, eagle, exactly. eagle. <laughs> yeah yeah and external validation and and 
and be like, wow, okay, so I got all the things that I thought would make me have just like a nice big check mark in my heart, and none of it is doing what I thought it was gonna do. And I um, got really frustrated. I got mad at the community a lot. I was like, why are you not supporting me? Why are you not supporting me? But I wasn't taking the time to like think about what that support really needed to look like for me, what I was willing to take and what I was still being resistant towards um, and and what was really my stuff and not others. Um, and understanding that like what I'm putting out is like what I'm getting back. And um, that really slapped me in the face. Because um, it was also around the same time that sister sister was kind of doing that thing as well. I got a grant and had this like you know huge, huge expectations around what getting support should mean, and um, and uh, I wasn't like grounded in like what do people need and what do I need in relation to people. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's easy to get. So I was just like, am I like? just like martyring myself like is that like like that doesn't need to I want to be around and I want people um uh to feel confident that I know how to take care of myself so that the um uh, they know that I I will be like or at least I'm trying to learn what those things are um so that we, it can be a ready conversation um because it, it gets tiring on both ends and I think that's why I definitely had to make sure I, I got support in the second year of BAM and then the third year I had like a whole team um and and it's just like but that's like steady grind like steady being like no Nasra delegate <laughs> like like moving like that's the thing for that person and they're willing to do it and they want to do it and they want you to not be overwhelmed and they are not going to think less of you because you can't do all the stuff no one can do all the stuff um and also coming to terms with being an idea person that is action oriented like i'm i make things happen but knowing that like big picture stuff and and visionary stuff is something that i have a lot of fun with and it's something that makes my little kid inside me really happy is being in the imagination and being um i'm talking to people about how um what worlds they see and how they want to build them um and what world i want to see i'm constantly asking myself that it's like is this the world around you that you want to see and it can be an intimate world or like a larger world um and uh and so knowing that that is that is important and that um you know maybe this type a you know productivity stuff that's like balling too but it it shows up in me in a different way um and that's okay it's like my version of productivity is valuable and ever-changing <laughs> and ever-changing. <laughs> How did you come to terms with your capacity? Mm. You know, that's, and like, one of the questions I was thinking about asking, and I was also like, how do you phrase that? But like, who who gave you the mm -hmm. permission to allow yourself to be what you can be, if that makes yeah. sense? Like, the extent of things that you can do. Because right now, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm having a hard time being like, ah, you know, I actually can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've i fused I want to do that. Yeah. Or I want to be able to do that with yeah. I am able to do yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So Yes. Oh. That that want to yeah. Yeah. That I hear like um um I had a partner tell me like like do you uh do you want to want this? Hmm. Or do you want this? And I was like, Ah, <laughs> Like how dare? Not fair. No, yeah. that's a. So that's that. Like, yeah. That is literally that. I had that plays in my head a lot. Is I'm like, do I want to want this? Um, cause that's 
that's not real, right? That's like based off a whole some other stuff. Like, and then I was like, why do I want to want this? And sometimes I don't even need to ask myself that. I just need to know the distinction. I'm like, do you want this for you, or do you want to want this for this other person? Um, because it's usually that. It's usually that I know that it's not going to serve me, but it might serve them. Um, uh, maybe not like at a, at its root level, because there's um, when you when you disrespect your capacity. It's like my mom always said to before I even understood it, it was this like you teach people how to treat you and understanding that if I know that this is my capacity and I am like how am I communicating that if I'm telling this person that um, if I'm telling this person yes or that I want to do that because I think it'll be a benefit to them um, is that actually coming it's coming from an empty cup so what am I actually giving them right is is that is it a real offering um probably not like it's probably something just to get by um but it's not actually going to serve them because they'll they're they'll they probably won't get they probably won't get the depth of, of you and they're also going to ask again um or like ask from a place of not knowing that that last thing was actually an overstep and so you're probably going to get them coming and overstepping again because they're that's what the information they're basing it off of right like they said yes that time so and so um my big thing is like asking the people around me, um, what their capacity is, and and um, uh, before I before I, I ask of anything really, um, sometimes that's not possible because I'm in a place of really needing, um, and that's okay too. Mm. Um, uh, but but normalizing the 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 concept maybe that somebody might not have something to give you um that there that no is a is always a thing um and offering it when i ask sometimes too because i love it when people do that to me or for me and when they're like they'll ask me hey like you have capacity and blah blah, blah. also if you don't right now like that is completely fine um i i just like to know i care about you either way and i try and incorporate that into my space because I'm like hey thanks for giving me the option um it's true I don't um because sometimes just saying no just saying it just typing it just texting it even is like and then you wind up agreeing and then you wind up agreeing to it or, or like I like ghost them or something like like I just press like on their on their comment then I leave like I'm just like I don't have it um, and then you can't say anything. And then I can't say anything. Because then you're too busy feeling bad for yourself. Right. And so to, then I'm avoiding them and, and trying <laughs> not to like. And apparently that like doesn't their help. Instagram. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's weird. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, and and one of the things I'm trying to work with in my relationships too is like is like when when there's like like an emotion coming up too of like also when we're not able to be there for each other because it's okay that emotions come up. Um, but where are they coming from? Am I am I angry or am I disappointed or do I feel like that person owes me if they don't and these are subconscious things like a lot of the time they're not all the way at the front but sometimes it can feel painful to have someone tell you that they don't have the capacity for you or for your whatever you're going through um so being real with yourself in that moment and being like i okay what is i do the thing where i'm like okay what is it like when i don't have capacity but i know the person really needs me and i say no or da 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 and um really trying to be kind to yourself in those moments and be like it's it's like i i love this person 
for loving themselves the way they need to, I'm going to try and take that as an indicator that I need to do that for myself. Maybe ask somebody else, and I'm going to put my ego to the side. Maybe ask somebody else. Um, or try and give myself what I I needed from that person. Did I need to be told that I'm safe? Did I need to be told that I'm, you know, a, a, a beautiful, amazing person and all these whatever, whatevers? Because, um, and can I start some, can I give something to myself in that moment? Sometimes it's no, but um, at least it's like a reminder to not like beat yourself up or, or try and further distance the other person because they didn't give you what you wanted at that time. My mom is really real with me about that stuff. She's like, they don't want you nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm like, you're right, Ma, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're right, I got to hold myself, you're right. <laughs> and just lastly, um, because we uh, we said we we're going to get to it. All oh, right. Astrology. Right. What's going on? My heart and soul. Yeah. It's, I'm learning, I'm growing. It's so deep. It's forever. You can study it for eons and never understand because the universe. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I stars, my jam. Always was like, ah. Was it always a thing? Um, all the thing. All, yeah. Always, all the time. Um, all my friends know it about me. All my mom. It's just like get inside, especially out in Millwoods, where I like, grew up there. Magic. Um, and um, so when I and I was also like, you know, like oh, Pisces stuff. And my mom's like such a weirdo. She's also like she would read the horoscopes and all and all the time in the newspaper. And um, I don't know where it started, but. More, more seriously, probably like three, four years ago. Um, and I think it was just a lot of YouTubing of um, some witchy stuff, you know, always been mm -hmm. interested. But the uh, the main thing right now, it's it's a beautiful science. It's beautiful art. Um, it's my favorite things about the world. And because it, it reminds me that I am minuscule, but also like so large and so deeply connected to so much more. Um, uh, it also helps ground what the heck is going on <laughs> like people are like freaking out and i'm like don't worry don't worry don't worry the moon is here the sun is there da, 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 da. And, I'm, and and it's like it's because it, it's it's like i can just go and there's a resource for me to understand energetically what is being asked of human beings um and and then i can start to investigate and and and, and really learn about how it's affecting people um and it's uh, and i it's not about trying to know people before they know them or knowing people like da da da, da. but it is um it really helps me study humans and and how um uh how we're evolving how we're moving what we're moving towards where we're coming from um uh what these big beautiful energetic beasts in the sky uh how they're connected to us intrinsically and then how i can start to have some control over some things you know i can start to plan a little bit better i can start to understand like even things about my body and and um um why, how, why i'm so sad <laughs> or like the full moon is out here the full moon is here um but it it takes me out of myself and connects, we're talking about these relations, really grounds um, uh, who I am and how I'm existing to a larger, to a larger family of, of beings um, that I get to learn from um, and, and help me learn about myself so that I can make the most of my time here i think astrology helps me be efficient and like um and, and and intentional about uh my choices and about um how i'm deciding to make them 
And also, it really gives me the tea about some people because I'm like, I know it's not about knowing people, but it really is sometimes. And I'm just like, I can navigate your energy in this way. I can understand why your magic works this way. I can da 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 da. Um, so it's just more intel. You know what I mean? And uh, and it's also very gay. It's very queer, and, and the queer community is all about it. And it's also, really? also another way to just connect me with other other fluid, like little witchy humans um, that have a lot of sacred, sacred knowledge, um, and are tapping into sacred, sacred, sacred ancient knowledge. That it's it's I love I <laughs> I love the pop pop culture of it but i also um really respect um and ha uh and honor the uh connection that has always been made between um um the stars and the sky and and indigeneity and i am ever ever grateful that it's here because other i feel like i'd just be bouncing off the walls like i really would be drowning <laughs> but the planets they're our friends they're amazing yeah well, thank you so much, Nazra. You're the best. You're the best. Uh, that was amazing. I could <laughs> talk to you forever, and I and I hope to. And we will. All right. Yay. Thanks so much to Hunter Cardinal for bringing us that amazing conversation, and thanks to Nazra Adim for sharing their time with us. If you want to know more about Nasra, you can check out their website at nasraadim.com. That's N-A-S-R-A-A-D-E-M.com. You can check out our show notes for that link, and you can also check out our show notes to find out more about Hunter and Jacqueline, too. Well, listeners, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Yeah, it means a lot that you take the time to listen to our show. Thanks for that. We know you've been spreading the word, and that's awesome. Please keep it up by sharing this episode with a friend. Or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find us, and they also make our hearts very happy. We're on Facebook, too, so you can keep up with us there. Thanks again for being such amazing listeners. You, you're just the best. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Blonking and Andrew Paul. Until, Until next time. time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well endowed.